Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello and welcome to episode number 91 of the Audio Podcast. As always with the uh, Auto Bros, Jason and Alex Von Cannell, proudly brought to you by Auto Bros's Fickle Wholesale, as always. What do you got in stock this week, Alex? I uh, probably got the most important car that I've ever stocked, mm. which is not ready for sale yet, but anyone that follows Auto Bros on socials, and I suggest that you do, mm-hmm. would have seen that we bought a Ferrari. You did buy a Ferrari, and it looks pretty nice. I, I've just seen it for the first time just before. And I want to say this, you're not a car guy. No. You're not a car guy at all. You don't not care. at all. I don't care. And you, looking at the car, I guess you didn't really, it didn't really hit you there, like you didn't really care about the look of the car either. First thing I said to Alex when I looked at it was like, oh, is that a sleeker? <laughs> yep. And then we, you went and had a look around it, and we sat inside, probably still not that impressed. Yeah. Then you started it up. Yeah, it did something to me. Like, just the the sound and knowing how much power you have at the tip of your toes. Yeah. It's it's intimidating. It is. It's funny because I remember when I went to Italy with Tasha mm-hmm. and we hired a Ferrari just to do, like, a, a cool drive in Maranello where yeah. they're built. And we had to pick at California because it was the only four-seat car and they, they send someone with you. So someone had to be in the passenger seat and Tasha could sit in the back. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really care either yeah. until the exhaust valves opened and we and I heard her go, ooh. <laughs> and, and now she, like, she gets it. She gets yeah. it. Whereas me, I, I normally measure the value in cars in how many Kia Cerratos you can buy for the same price. Well, you could buy a lot of Kia Cerratos. Yeah, so that's like for, seven or eight Kia Cerratos. For the record, that car is a 2000 model mm-hmm. Ferrari F360 F1 Modena. Mm-hmm. So it is... Uh, it's the first... So it's a, it's a 3.6 V8 mm-hmm. mid-mounted. Uh, so it's a true... Like it's a... It's a real Ferrari. There's a bit of a debate, you know. My dad would say that, or our dad would say that Ferrari is a V12 front engine because that's like where a lot of the heritage was. But arguably, what we think these days a supercar should have the engine in the middle. Mm-hmm. So this car has the engine in the middle, nice perspex screen where you can see it. Very beautiful engine to look at. All everything's all hand built. And F1 meaning it's a uh, automated manual mm-hmm. paddle shift. So that was the first car to have like a. Uh, there, there were automatics that had switches, but this is actually very similar in in the uh, to a manual in terms of how it operates. But it's automated, mm-hmm. which sucks. <laughs> like they're a bad gearbox. Right. They're very clunky. Um, the idea was that it shifts gears fast, but you could go buy any new car that you bought today would shift faster yeah, than what yeah. that thing does. It's twenty two years old now. Mm-hmm. So this particular car has come from the UK. It was imported four years ago, yep. and has never driven here. Oh, it had never been registered here. So. I registered it for the first time on Thursday, I think it was. Yeah. And um, we are we're not driving it yet mm-hmm. until I've got it next week booked in to get all the fluids done, mm-hmm. and then the two weeks after that, it's getting all the belt services done, which is yeah, the major yeah. thing, which yep. terrifies people. You're supposed to have them done every five years. This one hasn't been done in seven, mm-hmm. so we're, we're just going to get it done. Yep. The car is in immaculate it's condition. It's in great it's an absolutely awesome new. Well, you asked me what the story is. Like, yeah, so where did you get it from? Well, I kind of want to start at the start. Okay. The start at the start, and anyone that read, uh, saw my um, my post, mm-hmm. when I was 17 years old, I wrote down a list of the achievements that I wanted to have in life. Mm-hmm. 
Now, at the time, when you're 17, you can't see past the year th- when you're 30. Yeah. So I only wrote up... 30 years old when you're 17. 30 years old. So I only wrote up to age 30. Mm-hmm. And the one that I was supposed to do at age 30 was buy a Ferrari. Yeah. That was, that was the goal. Now, I'm 35 now, so I'm late. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to buy a car in, when I turned 30, but instead I bought that other investment property. Yeah. Lame. Super lame. Now, that very vanilla way to go. Although it did help. I suppose it did help in part purchase this one. True. But I've also had the feelers out there for many years saying, when one comes up, wholesale. Yeah, I want to know about it. I want to know about it. And then an an extra funny story is I was down in Melbourne with the Auto Bros, the other Auto Bros, Nugget Mm -hmm. and Neil, who I I think I mentioned last week, but have Mm -hmm. joined the Auto Bros fold. We're all partners. Yeah. We're sitting at a cafe, whinging about how expensive the merchandise was. A hat was ninety dollars. Yeah. A polo shirt was one hundred eighty-five dollars. And then I got a phone call from a friend of mine who deals in well, he's now in real estate, but has dealt with Ferraris before. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "This thing's come up, and I know you want one. Hmm. How much are you?" And I knew because I've been watching them for so long. I knew I knew what they're worth, so I, I threw a figure at him. Yeah. And we got very close to that figure. We finished. It took us about a week, maybe 10 days to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never seen the car. I've seen some bad photos. And I had seen um, uh, like a, a screenshot of a report that was done. Yep. So it was. I had to be very trusting of this person. I do trust this guy. And, mm. and, and it's absolutely paid off. Because when I first picked up the car on Wednesday, it exceeded my expectations yeah, the condition nice. in my head because i'd seen bad res photos yeah. uh, a laundry and list you've been doing this for so long you were used to the photos that you see if they're bad photos you're like well the thing's obviously worse in real life yeah because if those are the best photos they could take they're, they're clearly hiding something yeah so to have it exceed your expectations on such a like the biggest purchase you've ever made yeah in regards to motor vehicles that's pretty awesome yeah and it's very cool it's very cool. There's something very cool about... Now, look, I had an M2 last week, mm-hmm. a BMW M2, yeah. which is faster from 0 to 100, <clears throat> more comfortable inside, yep. would turn better, would brake better, would do everything better. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Yeah. It's just not the same. There's something about it. And look, I won't, I won't be driving it fast. It's, you know, you've got to be careful. It's a 22-year-old thoroughbred. Mm. Yeah. And um, so you, you got to drive with a bit of respect. But there yeah, was something. I don't, I don't know if anyone's taken Maccabi Diva out and she's twenty two and expecting her to right? run the same speed, right? But at the same straight time, straight to the glue factory after that one. Being able to say that you've ridden Maccabi Diva, yeah. is a thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So look, it was a very proud moment. Um, I'm stoked. I only just realised that that's a horse reference too. Yeah. Yeah. Someone someone said to me during the week like, "Oh, you yeah, find me a uh, no." It's like. I'd rather a Mustang. I'm like, yeah, because it's a pony. Mm. This is a stallion. Yeah. <laughs> you, you stay on your ponies. Yeah. We'll stay on the stallions. So no, it was it was a very um, proud moment for all, well, all of us, I suppose, because yeah, look, it's, it's huge. It's a big deal. It's a massive deal. But I'll tell you why it's a big deal. The main reason why it's a big deal is because in the lead up to that moment, most people either dismiss the idea mm-hmm. or are so protective that they are negative towards it. Right. 
So I probably had more people in my camp saying either it wasn't going to happen at all mm -hmm. or you shouldn't do it because it's irresponsible. Yeah. And that part is actually pretty hard to cut through. Mm. And I think it's only because I'm the type of person I am where I'm like, shut up, like, don't get in my way. Mm. You know, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Don't get in my way. But I understand also where it comes from for them. It's pure fear. 100%. People fear what they don't know. Yep. I hope you guys are listening to this. This is a big deal. And this affects a lot of people. Like 98% of people. On most decisions. Yep. Fear is what stops people from taking those steps. Okay? Mm -hmm. Fear of the unknown. Yep. So do you know what I do? Take the step. I know. I find out. I do the research. That's why I knew. Mm. That's why I didn't need to make a second phone call yep. when I was asked to price a sight unseen 22-year-old Ferrari. Mm. I knew. Because I knew the market back to front. Yeah. You yep. know? Um, there was no... I had done my due diligence. I've made a friend. I've, I've mentioned on this pod before. I've made a friend with a Ferrari, independent Ferrari mechanic. Mm -hmm. Spoken to him. You know, know what, what I'm looking for. Understand that I'm going to spend a considerable amount of money mm -hmm. to get this car up to where it's supposed to be. Yeah. But I know it. And I knew that... And... and, and I understand why people can be so negative towards it when they haven't done the groundwork. Yeah, that's right. And it's the same with everything. Like, because they don't know what you're talking about. They don't have a clue, so it scares them. They're scared of things that they don't know. But say that. I mean, I suppose that's my lesson. Like, don't, don't shit on someone's ideas if you haven't taken the time to consider them. Mm. And that's what happens mostly. All the time. Right? Yeah. But imagine how powerful it would be if you and your whole network was on the same page and wanted to help each other mm. grow to achieve all the things that you want to achieve. Yeah. Now, I have to say, since when I posted it up, I had have had nothing but like positive. good, yeah, positive... Yeah. You know, someone said, um, awesome to see like guys in our, at our age kicking goals, mm. you know? And that stuff's very, very nice. But where I think, you know... I know that behind that positivity, there's probably a wall of, um, there's probably a, a, a group of people that, you know, thinks it came easy. Because mm. they only see the success. Because they only see the success. Yeah. Right. Don't understand that I, I wrote this down on a piece of paper, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. 23 years ago. Don't understand that I knew the path that I was going to take to get it. Mm. Part of the reason I like why you just out of yourself as forty, by the way. <laughs> what is it? What's the bats? <laughs> Eighteen. You said twenty-three. Years yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eighteen. Is that right? What are you? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah. Eighteen. They don't. Um, they don't understand that I had put the word out there so that I was the one that people would call when when the opportunity arose. Mm. And then acted, acted on it and put myself in a position where I could attain it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so nothing happens by chance. Nothing happens by luck. Lucky people aren't lucky. Lucky people put the steps in place to, uh, so they are ready to accept opportunities that, that come 100%. to them. 100%. What's the saying, isn't it? Like, luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, and, and, I mean, obviously someone way smarter than me has put that together. But yeah. that's, that's exactly what it is. It didn't just... Sure, it was a fleeting phone call, mm. but it it, won, it was one that had 
a multitude of steps that led up to that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was ready. Yeah. Okay, so... Well, even, even just... Yeah, it wasn't mad dash to scra- scramble like, to get the money together. Oh, of course. <laughs> a couple of days, but we did it. <laughs> we got there. But, but again, like think about all the steps that are involved in that. Number one, you had business partners that could help you out with the financing of it. Number two, you had a mate that you've... Like, I know you have networked with this gentleman for years and years and years mm. to the point where now you've got such a level of trust with him that you could take his word for it that it was the right thing. Yeah. Like, that's all the stuff that people don't understand and they don't see. They just go, oh, look, the boys have bought themselves a Ferrari. How good is that? Yeah, they went through a catalogue and found one there and yeah. just like to add to car. Because that's what it would look like, yeah. I guess, at face value. But there are so many different parts to this, which, and look, probably one of the biggest parts out of it for, for me is trust actually building trust yeah. with people in your network i don't know too many people out there maybe you know correct me if i'm wrong but i don't know too many people out there who have people in their network who they can trust with that considerable amount of money because that's what you were doing like when yep. you when you trusted your friend our friend about the condition of that ferrari you're trusting him with that that amount of money yeah that's a lot of money yep your mates are trusting you with the amount of money because you've got the expertise out of the guys who've actually invested in this thing. Yeah. So trust is so important. So if there's any lesson that you can probably take out of this situation is who can you trust with that mm. in in your circle? Keep them close. Make sure you keep watering those uh, those connections. That's and that's a big deal. I, and I think to, to harvest those, those networks, it's got to be a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of people out there that have... A very one-way idea of what networking is, yeah. i.e., I'll ring you when I need when something. I need something. That's right. But a true network, in in my mind, and and if I if I had to say if there's one thing that I actually think I'm really really good at, it's either like random car knowledge hmm. and networking. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm on the phone. You know, I probably ring someone in my network uh, multiple times a day. Yeah, and it's funny too when you think about it because. It all really comes down to, like you said, you want it to be a two-way street when it comes to value share rather than being one way. And a one way is those people who just call you up when they want something. So the friend of yours that you haven't spoken to in six months who calls you up and goes, oh, mate, you got like a cheap trade-in or something that I can buy because yeah. I, I need a cheap car. Uh, that's a one-way one way value. What I find interesting is like with this podcast, for example, we, we feel guilty when we spruik auto bros. Or when we ask you guys to subscribe or to mm. like the post, like the videos or share it in your network because we feel like we're taking something. We just want to give value. It's the whole reason why we started this in the first place. Mm. Um, we were talking about this a little bit the other day, how obviously the podcast has evolved quite a lot from what it began as compared to what it is now, mm. which, hey, you know, uh, dropping a global pandemic in the middle of it. Yeah, kind of you, know, you kind of have to respond to that. But... Like, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing where we feel compelled to give you guys as much value as we can. That's obviously the only reason why people actually tune in, is if you're getting value out of it. But we still feel guilty about asking for value in return in the way of, like, sharing or subscribing or... I don't feel guilty. Yeah, okay. And, and that's because, I think that's because that networking thing, I'm... We're giving something yep. and we ask for something in return. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And in my network, I could ring anyone and ask anyone a, a favour hmm. because if they know that they could ring Do me the and get, and get yeah. the, same, the same thing. Hmm. But talking about that, that pathway, I think 
I think it's really important to, to really stick to that planning side of how to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you, you can literally pick any goal that you have and as long as you can map out a pathway in your head of how you're going to get there and then act on that, like mm-hmm. move towards that pathway. I knew I was going to be a motor dealer when I was a kid because... I, all I, I knew that I, I just like cool cars. I want to get in cars. I want to have cool cars. I want to drive cool cars. I want yeah. to sell cool cars. So all the steps led to becoming a dealer so that, that now that now becomes a, you know, that's a business expense. Mm. Like I get the GST on that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So all those things led up to trying to uh, monetize my passion. Mm-hmm. And... I think a lot of people are missing that point of view. Yeah, I agree. Now, I was all for at work when I was managing people to say, how can I, how can I as in the business, help you, hmm. the employee, maximise life yeah. outside of work? Yeah, how do you right. use this to help that? Which is the same reason why... I don't have employees, I've got partners. Mm-hmm. This business deal that we've done is a partnership yep. to bring mates on board so that we can all thrive. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's the whole that's the whole idea. That that old model of I want to be at the top and I'm just gonna employ someone to do all the shit stuff so I don't have to do that and I'm gonna pay them a little bit and I'm gonna get the shit with them when they don't do what they want. Yeah. That's that's the old way of doing things. I don't think I don't yeah. think that's the right way. So but have a target, have a plan of how to get there, and just execute the plan. Yeah, take action and execute. Execute. Yeah. You have to execute. <clears throat> and doesn't the stuff doesn't like you've got time. You have time, especially like like I said, I've been planning it since I was seventeen years old. And mm. yes, I had opportunities, and I could have checked the box off off earlier. But nothing feels more right than this one. Yeah. Even though it was, it's cost me fifty thousand dollars more than it would of the first opportunity I had. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. Yeah. Because this was the right one. Yeah. Right? This is this was the right moment at the right time. And another another cool thing is that it gives confidence to the partners, also the customers, that we now know the ins and outs of how to deal in that yeah. in that space. Yeah. We're learning. Yeah. And right. we're learning as we go. Mm. That's the other thing too. A lot of a lot of fear is derived from the unknown because mm-hmm. you don't know what what kind of shit's going to happen. That's right. Well, guess what? Just know that shit's going to happen. That's right. And know that you, there there are things that you can do to overcome the shit. Yep. Because because I'm, I'm telling you right now, anyone who's ever done anything in life has had to do it the first time, and they weren't good at it. Mm. They were shit at it. So when you jump on Instagram, you see the greatest sporting stars in their field, or the greatest whoever it is. They all had to start from somewhere and they sucked at it when they first started. Mm. But they kept showing up. They kept working on their craft. They kept learning every single day and they learned from their experiences. And it's that whole thing of like, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. You just got to get up that extra time. That's what they were doing. But I feel like what stands between a lot of people and not only their dreams, but happiness and fulfillment is, and it's a natural thing, which we've probably got to move away from a little bit as a society, but everyone's got a natural inclination to protect the people around them that they care about. And like you said, people are scared of the unknown. 
So the problem is if you've got a dream and you've done the research and you've put the effort in and then you go and tell your parents about it and they go, no, nah, don't do that. It's too risky. Like you just can't, they don't know what you know. They yeah. don't know the hours yeah, or like the, the thousands of hours of research that you've put in. Yeah. They don't understand that. All they know is this is my kid and I want to protect them more than anything in the world. And I don't, I don't know how to do that. So they probably don't know either. Yeah. And I'm going to protect them from that. And changing nothing is usually the solution. Yeah. From a- outward looking in, uh, inaction is the best form of action. That's right. So to to talk about what the other side should do. So the people that are, like let's say when you're, someone in your network, your family, your friends comes to you with an idea, mm-hmm. your response should be, that's awesome. Yeah. How can I help? Yeah, and that's something that for me as a parent, I really, I will try to be on top of as the kids get older to a point where this becomes important. And it, like one of the things that always, that I think about a lot, because I'm a big fan of combat sports, particularly mixed martial arts. And there is nothing more fun to watch in MMA than the come up of the next big thing, Mm. right? And one of the hallmarks of that come up is that they think they're invincible and they just can't lose. Yeah. That attitude takes them really, really far. Mm -hmm. There's a guy, uh, like everyone just thinks about Conor McGregor and he's probably one of the best examples of it. But there's a guy who kind of went the other way, which is a guy called Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes, light heavyweight in the UFC, he was that next big thing on the come up and then he fought John Jones for the title. Lost by split decision, I think it was. Might have been unanimous, but it was a close fight. I, for one, and many other people thought that he won. Mm-hmm. He was never the same. So on the, on the way up, he was absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. He, in his mind, he probably would have won that fight, got taken away from him. He's just lost every fight ever since then. And what I find so interesting about that is... It was blind confidence that got him that far. As soon as you took that confidence away from him, he's a, he's a different guy. So when it comes to things like business or just other decisions to make in life, we need to find a way to foster that confidence in people yeah. to just go and take the punt and do these things. Yeah. Because that's the only way that you're going to do special things. And the problem is, I think for a lot of us, when you were younger, you get that confidence beat out of you because yeah. it's risky, Yeah. right? Like if you participate in risky behaviors, your parents try to beat that out of you. Yeah. And risky behaviors can mean a whole myriad of things. It can mean drug taking. It can mean drinking booze. Or it can mean stepping out of your comfort zone and starting a business, Yeah. right? They're all risks, perceived risks to people who don't understand what you're doing. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, Something that I'm going to be trying to do with my boys is try to find a way to foster that confidence. I want to protect them. I want to keep them safe. But keeping them inside the box ain't protecting them. And keeping inside the box only benefits their future employers. Yeah. It does. It it, it benefits, maybe benefits society in terms of being a a regular um, human being. Mm. But if you're going to do something extraordinary, you've you got to have a go. And yeah. there's nothing more invigorating than being out, outside the box. I remember when I first started Auto Bros and coming out of that grind of I knew where I had to be yeah. six days a week, you know, rock up at eight o'clock in the morning, leave at six o'clock at night. I knew the location. I knew mm-hmm. what I had to set when I sat down and turned my computer on. I knew what, you know, what spreadsheet I had to open up first. Yeah. And then I remember stepping in here and, and going, Right, like, 
like this is I have to build yeah, this now. now this is all myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now what? So it's ironic how much comfort there can be in working fifty hours a week. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I, spoke, I I ran into an old friend. This is this is last year, maybe even two years ago. A guy that went to school, and he's, his words to me, he was so impressed that I'd started a business. Mm. And he said, I'll be a wage whore for life. Those are his words. He yeah. said, I will be a wage whore for life. Yeah. And, you know, each to their own. Yeah. But is that fulfilling a dream? Mm. Is that... Or as long as, like I said, as long as you can leverage that to do something outside of it, like yeah. you might need a mind-numbing job so that you can be... Act, whatever your circumstance may be, are you following your dream? Yeah. That so it look it at the end of the day that car is just a car. Yeah. But it's a car that symbolizes like a culmination of everything that I've tried to achieve. Mm. Summed up in one nice red printing horse. Yeah. Which is just the beginning. Just the beginning. Yeah. Like it literally this literally opens up and the boys are stoked. They're like we're unstoppable now. Like, you know, like this will be the first of many. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry to ramble on about that, but I, I, I do think it's, it's I a do big, think it's no, really it, important. It don't, don't apologize. It's a big deal. And like in our society, we've definitely got tall poppy syndrome, especially in Australia. And the biggest problem is that we often don't, unless you're the right person, we often don't allow people to celebrate their achievements. And someone that we gave a shout out to a few months ago, uh, is the embodiment of that in Australia for me, which is Ash Barty. Mm. Ash Barty has achieved amazing things. The only reason why Australia loves her so much more than everyone else is because she's so humble. Mm-hmm. We, for us in Australia, that's like a requirement. I don't think I'm humble, though. You're not. And that's why <laughs> celebrating your achievement is seen as a negative thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of the fact that you both probably work just as hard to achieve your dreams yeah. that you have had, your attitude it seems to be the differentiator. Yeah. So this is another thing I'm going to say. Anyone out there in your network, if your friends achieve something, celebrate that achievement. And celebrate it genuinely. Actually care that they're doing something that's a big deal for them. And if there's anything you can do to help them. Yeah. Like imagine this. Reach out. Offer your help. And and it sounds crazy, but like I found out this person has still not hit me up. This, This person has been on this podcast once before. Yeah. And has a dream. A one dream that they want to do that is fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And I said, if if that's it, I'll pay fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Just to make it out. Just to make someone's dream come true. Yeah. That is like that is, you know, it might not even be monetary. It might be, look, I just need a day's help. Yeah. I might need a, a connection. I mm. might need an introduction to someone. Yeah. I might need a a reference. I might it could be anything, but if you could help if you could help someone in your network, you know, when, yeah. when the sea rises, all ships yeah. rise together. Yeah. We can really help ourselves. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we can take out of this great shift in... Um, mindset. Mindset to work. Mm-hmm. Let's help each other. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make the reason why we left what we were doing before, yeah. let's make it all worthwhile. Yeah, and don't forget that. And I think... And this will segue us into our next subject, but I think Elon Musk said once, and again, I don't know if this is just a meme I've seen online that someone's attributed to him, but he said, why, like, we have baby showers to celebrate when people are about to have kids, and we give them gifts that will help them to uh, make having a child easier. Why don't we have business showers? 
So if someone, if one of your friends is, is starting a business, why don't we have a business shower? Get everyone together. Just go, hey, what can I do? What what do you need assistance with to get yourself off the ground? Because we just don't do that. Harry did it did Friday uh, last night. Yeah. Picked up four pack of beers. Came off the work. Sat here. Yeah. Yeah. Like that stuff is super important. Yeah, and just like be willing to offer that for for nothing in return. Like if you really care about your friends and your family and you want people to be happy and do mm. well, offer what you can and don't expect anything in return. Yeah. And I guarantee you, whatever you offer, you'll get back tenfold some way. It's the way karma works. Yeah. But yeah, offer what you can. Help help each other out. Now the Elon deal. Yeah. So, so let, let's move on. Because obviously the biggest news of the week is the Twitter deal's gone through. Elon Musk does own Twitter. The details will be ironed out over the next few months. Mm. What are your thoughts? Well, I want to start with yours because I've, I've, I've got lots of thoughts. Okay. So I, I have a few thoughts on this, which some are positive, some are negative. Um, first of all, the mass freak out uh, by the staff and also the... Select staff. The majority of the staff. No, the staff that you hear about. True. Yeah. But also about the a lot of the user base, at least the current user base, is very, very interesting to me. Mm. Uh, there seems to be this... With the user base thing, do you mean like, uh-oh, they are coming to get us. <laughs> us boss, what are we going to do? All, you mean all the bots that have gone to Instagram? Yeah, yes. <laughs> we, we need to migrate over. Yeah. Um, that's Zuckerberg sucking them back into his fingers. <laughs> that's one of my next yes. points too. But no, it's very interesting. Where I saw Zuby made a comment about it, where he said that the ironic thing is that the people who are freaking out over this, they aren't worried about being deplatformed or censored themselves. They are worried about the people who have been deplatformed or censored not being deplatformed and censored. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Which is intriguing to me because we try to claim that as a society we're trying to move forwards and we're trying to be progressive. And a lot of people on the left side of politics, which are these people we're speaking about yeah. in regards to Twitter, they consider themselves progressives. And it's all about moving society forwards. Yeah, which we should. Which we absolutely should. But you don't move society forwards by shunning a certain percentage of society and their ideas. No. But also, you don't move society forward by shunning people based on a set of rules that you don't apply evenly. And that you decided yourself. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Uh, one of the things that came out in the last few weeks is that the like the American Congress has now just confirmed that the Hunter Biden laptop story is legitimate. Mm. Now, this story originated just prior to the presidential election in America and Twitter and all the other social media companies put a handbrake on it. You were not, you were not able to disperse that information. They have subsequently done surveys on democratic voters in that election saying, if you had known that the laptop was real and what was on it, would it have changed the way that you voted? And it's not just about the drug taking and prostitution, prostitution and underage and nudity leaving. and leaving really important laptops at yeah at shops and forgetting about it. A lot of stuff's not about that. A lot of the big issues that have come out of that laptop... Ties to the Ukrainian is the, power company Is the business ties between yeah. Hunter Biden... We paid $50,000 to get a meeting with Joe Biden, with yeah, Biden. 10% for the big guy, yeah. which was Joe Biden. 
So his business dealings with Ukraine, which makes the current war fascinating. Yeah. Key point on that, uh, just to so you guys can keep playing at home and keep the, keep the meter going. Uh, so far, the American government has sent $3.8 billion of military aid to the Ukraine. <laughs> I've got to stop calling it the Ukraine. To Ukraine. So $3.8 billion. And they call it aid. But you need to remember, this is the military industrial complex in play. So it's $3.8 million worth of taxpayer money that the American government has given to companies like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and the big weapons manufacturers to manufacture weapons that they then essentially dump in Ukraine. Now, Biden's just asked to increase that amount to $33 billion. So 10 times what they've already spent. So this is, when we've spoken before in the past about like wealth transfers, this is what I've been talking about. It's when you take taxpayer money, you give it to massive companies, whether it's your weapons manufacturers, whether it's your vaccine manufacturers, and and there's no there's no democratic choice in the matter by the people. The people mm. aren't voting on these uh, subjects. Mm. It just happens, and then we're just all supposed to deal with it. How much was the stimulus for the American people? Uh, I think they got fourteen hundred bucks each. So did they get the full fourteen hundred? I thought didn't it end up being six? It was supposed to be two grand. It ended up being fourteen hundred bucks, but it was split up over two payments. Which is the so that's four point two billion dollars. And sorry, how much has been sent to the Ukraine? Three point eight. <laughs> and they want to up it to thirty three. So, so this is this is what we're talking about. Like, and you look at Australia as another great example as well. And we'll get back to the point, which is the Twitter thing. But uh, when the floods occurred, think about all the fucking around it took before we sent any money at all to assist flood victims. And I think they all got like three grand or something like that mm-hmm. for for the people who applied and were approved for it. Um, I know someone who applied because they had damage done to their place and they were just rejected. So I was rejected. Well, I lost, lost power. So. I didn't have damage, yeah. but I lost a fridge full of stuff, uh, lost three days of business. Yeah. Like there was a cost associated with it and I got bounced. That's right. And I wasn't a flood vector zone. I couldn't get out of my place. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, uh, the Australian government approved $70 million worth of aid to Ukraine. <laughs> like within, within, I think it was like a week or something like that. Yeah, so that so what you're saying is that, that stuff can fly through. The stuff that... Yeah. that Aussies don't get to really see or... Yeah, I'm just trying to bring it up here too because also after that too, remember, um, Australia has sent four ADF Bushmaster vehicles, which are um, what I call like armoured vehicles to Ukraine as well. So that was after they've already sent 70 million bucks. So we're, we're quite happy to make our own citizens who are the taxpayers wait for any assistance if they get any at all. Mm. And yet, seemingly at the drop of the hat, we can send tens of millions of dollars overseas to a country that is not in the UN. And nothing to Solomon Islands that we are supposed to be looking after. Yeah. So anyway, let, let's get back to the yep. Twitter thing. So I find the freak out against actual freedom of speech very interesting. One of the biggest things about it, which both uh, I think is a great thing and a scary thing at the same time, because it ties into something else that's also happened in the last week, is Elon wants to authenticate every single account on Twitter. Yeah, that's why I made the joke about the bots. Yes. So the positives of this is 
the, the sorry, I'll start with the prop, the initial problem. The problem that Twitter has is, and the reason why Twitter is important, the reason why Elon's burning 44 billion US dollars on it. On the drip too. Yeah, because you don't spend that sort of money if it's not important, yep. right? The reason why Twitter is important is because it is where most of the, and I'm going to call them elites, even though I hate the word, but most of the elites are on Twitter and that is where they trial out and set a lot of social policy stuff. Sure. And the problem with bots and troll farms is that a lot of bad ideas which are put forth into the discussion of ideas get way too much artificial support from bots. Because they, they basically go, we want to get this idea rammed into people's heads and the number one way to make someone believe something is to make that person believe that everyone else agrees with it. So I'll, I'll, I'll paint a little bit of picture for people that don't really understand that. So imagine your friends had started a band and they're playing and then a rival band didn't like them taking all their gigs. Yeah. So they created a cyborg that looks like a person that goes to the, the crowd and go, you suck. You suck, boo. And then and they they keep building these bots. So mm. now there's like 50% of the people in that concert are now bots going, yeah. boo, boo, hiss. And now everyone else going, oh, man, these guys must suck. Boo, mm. boo, hiss. And then you, you've literally just changed. You've artificially changed people's perception of that yeah. band. And, and on the flip side of that as well is you, you artificially change in the positive for the other band. So one thing that a lot of people who use a lot of social media will know about, but a lot of people won't, and we've had people reach out offering the service to us for the podcast. The reason why a lot of channels grow so quickly is because the people who subscribe to the channels are fake. Mm. So there are actual people who run businesses where they've just got thousands of fake accounts. They contact you and go, hey, for this fee, you, we're going to increase mm. your subscribers by X amount. You pay them the fee and then all they do is they go and get every fake account. They hit subscribe and they go, see, look how good we did. But they're not actual real, yeah. real people. Now... Again, why is this important? It's because if you are trying to craft policy which affects the entire population, not just the people who are on Twitter, when a bad idea gets put forth but someone has an ulterior motive behind promoting it that therefore puts their money behind sending bots to make sure it looks like it's artificially the right thing to do, well, then all of a sudden there's a lot of people, and I'd say it's probably 40% of the population, which are, they'll pretty much just go whichever way the wind flows. Wasn't there a ratio of how many uh, users, how many Twitter bots there were compared to Twitter users? Well, see, this is where it's also going to get interesting too and why the authentication I think is really important but also scary. So a lot of these people who've got um, massive followings, like 100 million followers, 60 million of those might be bots. So they might only have 40 million followers but look way more impressive like every, you guys would know it. Every single day, you get people trying to add you on social media from fake accounts. It happens every single day. Yeah. It happens to the podcast all the time. You look at when Joe Rogan posts uh, uh, something up on social media, and you go into the comments, and it's like all the thoughts going, "I like to take my clothes off online." That's funny. That that's what you see because what I see is click here for free Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, horses for courses. Um, but that's where the authentication thing, I think, has a lot of value. If you make sure that every single user on that platform is a real legitimate person, number one, less people are going to hide behind fake Twitter handles and say the most you know, outrageous shit. Number two, 
it, let's say the poles and stuff get put up, thrown up, you're actually going to get more of an accurate picture of at least what the Twitterverse thinks about a particular subject. You're not going to get 50% of, of votes coming from bots. I don't all. think there's any argument that we need in, in a social network, mm-hmm. the people being social should be people. Mm-hmm. I think there's no question around that. Mm-hmm. And that's he's, Elon has put that very high on his task list. Yeah. Why is that scary, though? I don't think it's scary at all. I think it is because of the digital ID factor. So something else that a lot of the red pillars have been speaking about for a long time is how... And COVID, the whole pandemic, was kind of a bit of a shoehorn to bring some of this stuff through, is the move towards digital identification and the social credit system. Where I'm going to stop you. It's not going to go there. Because what? there's an easier way to do it. Okay. Charge 10 bucks yeah, to verify your account. I get that. But this, is this. I, I feel like, in a way, it's just another step towards people being happy it's to not. accept. Ch- charge 10 bucks to say that you are a person. That's mm-hmm. it. Yep. Simple as that. Sort it out. Because for you now to have a bot that's going to have any type of effect, you're going to have to spend millions of dollars. Yeah, I, I, that's the positive side. But I'm saying this is what the negative side is. You know, but I'm saying it's never going to go there because the easiest way is just charge 10 bucks for an account. So but, it's no, no, but you're, we must be talking about different things. Authenticating a Twitter account. Yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, that's so okay. that's got nothing to do with social credit score. Well, it's to me, it's just like people downloading the um, COVID safe app at the beginning of the pandemic and then getting their vaccine passport on. This is another drip feeding thing which normalizes having an authenticated digital identity online. Which, therefore, if you authorise on Twitter, when the government comes out and goes, hey, because we've got a digital identity bill that got passed in 2021 to lay a framework to do this thing. And like I was saying to you before, what happened interestingly this week in France, Emmanuel Macron gets re-elected within days after being re-elected, brought in digital identity in France. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Not for Twitter. And I think look, this is a because, red book item. Uh, I, I'm not no, saying no. it'll happen for Twitter. I'm saying but, but that what concerns me is that this it is another feeding normalisation step towards digital identity. Because, because you can have your you have a Twitter handle, which is not you anyway. The whole, the whole idea of it is your online presence. And all mm. it is is authenticating that an online presence is a human, mm. not you, okay. but is a human and not a bot. Okay, that's fair. That's what it is. So I don't... That's To me, that's so far... And... The other thing that is protecting you is that there are crypto alternatives to be able to prove that you are a person mm-hmm. without giving away your personal information. Which will be interesting to see if that's the way that Elon goes to adopt it. Which I think he definitely will be because that's where um, Jack Dorsey comes in. Because right. Jack Dorsey is working very, is, will, will end up working very closely with Elon. Mm-hmm. And he was talking... Well, he built the Lightning Network for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. He's massively into crypto. Mm-hmm. And this solution, and we spoke about it in a previous podcast, where you have a digital token that represents... That says, "Hey, I'm a person. Mm. You don't need the details, but I'm a person." Yeah, and that would be far easier to roll out onto a onto that system mm-hmm. than what you're talking about. Yeah, so it will be interesting to see which way that it actually. We have a digital identity system here. I got sucked into it to to, to buy fifteen dollar mm. data kit from Optus. Yeah, they now have my face. Yeah, and this is the concern. This, to me, this is the normalization of that sort of behavior, where it gets to a point where Digital identity gets brought in, and then we have the social credit system. I would argue, okay. So what I have, I do not care about social credit system. I'm, I'm not, I'm not fearful of that at all. Why don't you care about it? Because 
crypto is going to give you a, a way to circumvent any of that stuff anyway. But what if your social credit score shows that you're a crypto user, therefore you're untrustworthy? So your credit, yeah, I'll be untrustworthy. Credit score gets to, I don't care. My my trust score can be zero, and I'll only deal with the people that deal on the skirts. Yeah, I I I think it's naive to think that if if the digital credit system gets brought in and social credit score, I think it's naive to believe that you're going to be able to operate outside of that. And I we just I guarantee you, I guarantee you. No, no, we just saw this with the vaccinated economy. This is that's the same sort of thing. There yeah. was pressure from the government through mandates, mm. not laws. Pressure from the government for people to refuse entry to the establishment yep. of certain people and. 90-something percent of the population went ahead with it. Yep, and people worked outside of it as well. Yeah. That's why I'm not worried. But also weren't able to partake in a lot of the other things. But but a lot of people still did. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. There'll always be a periphery Mm -hmm. because prohibition always creates alternate markets. It's It's a fact of life. You can't get in the way of the natural movements of of people to a, an extreme to like a, a, a complete yes or no mm-hmm. um, and the I would argue that we already have a digital we should upgrade to digital for a start okay well, I, I think it does seem crazy in a digital world like I think I think it's, I think it's an easy sort of code word to say be scared of digital identity. We all already have a digital identity. We already have an account with Centrelink that knows who we are, mm-hmm. who I just found out during the week, knows how much is in your bank account, can actually access your bank account and, mm-hmm. and see all, all, all the funds in there. Yep. We're already there. The only difference is the social credit score, but we have a financial credit score. Um, yeah. And and so it's, in my mind, it's already there and it probably doesn't affect people to the points that dystopian uh, stories talk about. Yeah, because it's not there yet. But if you've got the framework, it can go there. And we've seen how badly things can get very quickly in the last two years. If you hand over any form of control to the government, they are abusing it now. We've already seen it happen. Yep, but we're, they're, so let me, let me they're, they're going to pay for that in this upcoming election, so we'll see that. Well, maybe. We'll, we'll, it'll we'll. be interesting to see. Yeah. But like, so I mean, just to throw it out there as a scenario, let's say that they bring in the social credit system and then you try to operate outside the social credit system. And because of that, you've got a poor social credit score. Well, the government still controls a lot of things such as vehicle registration. So what if they just go overnight, nah, your social credit score is zero, uh, auto bros, wholesale, you're not allowed to register cars anymore. I'll tell you exactly why they won't do that. Why? Because I pay them. That doesn't but, seem to matter, mate. It, well, it absolutely does. It's all financially related. And mm-hmm. I, because I am a car dealer and, yeah. and cars are the most taxed thing in the world, mm-hmm. without me, they lose. Yeah, but you're only one person. If I they've know, got 95% doing... of people on board, the, our government seems to be quite happy to scud the remaining 5%. I have 0% scared of that. Well, look at... Uh, here's another example. And, and, look at what's happened with the teacher's vaccine mandate in Victoria just this week. Mm. So just this week, whilst other states are starting to remove mandates, Victoria went ahead and mandated the booster shots just for teachers mm. in, in Victoria. And it was something like there was reports of like 1,300 public school teachers and 1,300 private school teachers. I've also seen reports that it's as low as 420 teachers in the public school. They left the private school out of it. But regardless, that's a small percentage of people that they're happy to scud and remove because they're not doing what they were told. We're, our governments are already doing this shit. Yep, and they'll pay. It, it, it can it, it'll ebb and flow. 
It'll, it, it, I'm not, I, I have zero care factor. I, it does not even register to me. Okay. Because I, I just, I can see too much framework. If, if they do it, just, you know, they'll make, like, they'll make the crypto thing stronger than ever. Like, it's, it, if anything, it helps. To me, that it, it's an opportunity, if anything else. And whatever comes up, there will be a solution to it, which will be better than the, the pre-existing. I, All these people that have been mandated out have yep. probably gone and found better and more fulfilling jobs. I don't think all of them have. Not I all. think some of them have, yep. for sure. I I like the fact that you're still an optimist about this, mm. but what does concern me is just watching how badly things went over the last two years and not knowing whether or not people who have been beaten into submission for the last two years are actually going to be able to think their own way out of it and exercise their democratic rights in the correct ways to actually get themselves out of this. Because mm. like you said before, like at the beginning when you're talking about the, your business and everything, what stands between people and generally being happier is fear of the unknown. And we're already seeing that with political advertising. Like all the political advertising you're getting from liberal is like, oh, would you trust... Like, it won't be easy with Albanese. Would you trust Albanese with the purse strings? Like, it's, it's fear-based campaigning, which fear has been used to control everyone for yeah, the last for sure. two years. Yep. They're just using it now for political means. It will be interesting to see, but I just don't think there's anyone that can really objectively sit back and say that the people in charge have done the right thing. Well, I no, I don't think that anyone can. But the problem is I think that people, too many people... And again, in a democracy, you only need 50% plus one vote to make the change that you mm. want. And I would say that there is more than 50% of people who are just going to go where the winds push them and will not be willing uh, to, to break outside the box. So. There's already, uh, I've already seen some stats thrown out that this is the highest level, like the most people have registered to vote. Mm-hmm. Like it's the quickest uptick in, I think people have never been more politically charged than they are now. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm predicting a hung parliament. Yeah, and look, hung parliament, it may, it may very well be, but I'm saying that there isn't more than 50% of people that are going to step outside the box, which may, to do that, you would need to see more than 50% of the vote go to parties other than Liberal and Labor, and I don't believe you I mean, can see that's that. That's not true. That's not true. Because they've got a divide. Well, it's not 50-50, because there's multiple parties involved. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying that to have... To be able to show that 50% of the voters in this country are stepping outside the box, which is the two-party preferred system, Mm. you would have to show that 50% of the votes or more have gone Mm. outside of Liberal or Labor, which you're just not going to see. Um, I think the number will be a lot higher. It's going to be be high. And as long as they they need a good amount of seats so they can... Like, we saw no opposition... In the last two years, the like Labor has done nothing. Yeah, Liberal has just like the only thing I'm not telling people who to vote for. Yeah. I'm telling people who not to vote for, which is the two major parties. Labor, I, I can't remember if it's federal, if it was just Victoria, but Labor has just said that they're going to preference the Liberals because they they're obviously they're, the cat's out the bag. Like they're just two sides of the same coin. <laughs> it was me all along. If it wasn't for those pesky kids. Yeah, well like that's it's literally what it's starting to look like. I mean, it's looked like that for a lot of people and I reckon it's looked like that for certain people for decades who've been yeah. you know far more engaged in the process than the rest of us who just started because all of a sudden the government started taking way too much control over our lives. Yeah. But 
to see that a Labor government is starting to preference Liberal over other parties just shows you how scared they are of losing the control. And whether that control comes from the prime seat or the opposition seat, there's still a level of control there regardless. And they're still using it to essentially rot taxpayers for their own gain. I think there's going to be a... I think there's going to be a big shift. I, I can't see this ever happening again. And I think people are far more engaged. Even people that were pro any of the, the extreme measures in the last two years aren't pro anymore. I disagree. Because I, I know, I know way I'm... too many people who are still way pro. I've had conversations, like that many conversations recently where, with people going to get like a booster or considering lining up for their fourth shot. And I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Like, what is the purpose? Because obviously the first two shots didn't work. And then, like, again, you go all the way back to the start and it was 95% eff- effective at preventing uh, symptomatic COVID. And then, a bit, like, we know the track back of, like, oh, well, you'll still get it, but then you won't be, uh, ho- be hospitalised. Oh, but you'll still get it, but you'll be hospitalised, but you won't die. Have you seen the, uh, what the rates in Australia doing, the death rates? Yeah, well, it's gone through the roof. In it's gone 20, uh, December 2021 was like two two and a half thousand people higher than the, was it the average over 2014, 2019? Yeah, it, it is going in the complete wrong direction. And we, so this is what we're, I think it's so funny to watch because I'm, I'm, I don't get emotionally charged by it anymore. That's all done. It did more damage to me thinking about it mm-hmm. than what, you know, what the reality was on the ground. Mm-hmm. But I can, I can't help but laugh when everyone's relieving restrictions, yet the numbers are worse than they've ever been. Yeah, and this just again confirms what we have been saying forever, which is this: this has been all motivated by politics and control, and it's had nothing to do with people's health. Um, this one, I don't think this was uh, updated. That's only the three day, but the the trend is literally going back up again. Yeah, and it. There's just no, there's no, um, I want this is, this is what scares me about the politics thing because there are still people like, I wonder what the, um, while you look at that, I wonder what the booster percentage is at. Let's go to the COVID live stats because like you were saying, you, you have this positive view that you don't think this will ever happen again. It's still happening on the same situation. No, but once, Anyone who I mean, lines up and gets a booster, especially ones who aren't like uh, mandated in their workplace, which again is fucking mental that they yeah. would be, um, those are the people who aren't going to step outside the box. Because even though they clearly know the product doesn't work, they're still lining up and doing it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I don't doubt that at all. I, I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. I just think on in my network... Yeah. And look, maybe it's because I'm a bit vocal about it. I don't know. Maybe I've swayed some people or maybe they, they don't want to tell me uh, um, the truth. Mm-hmm. Most people are anti-booster. Mm-hmm. I spoke to an old bloke the other day who was terrified of COVID. Yeah. And he said, oh, I had an interesting talk with my doctor. I asked him about the booster shot. And he started to tell me and I said, no, no, I'll stop you right there. Have you had the booster, Doc? <laughs> and he said no. And he goes, that's all I need to know. Yeah. You know, it's still not mandated for politicians. Why, why would it? Exactly. Uh, 65.1% of Australians 16 plus have had a booster. Sorry, what's, sorry, what's the percentage? 65.1%. Mm. 
And that's the concern. In a democracy, there's obviously 65% of people who've been scared into taking action, which is fucking stupid. We had 70% of the deaths, and this was a stat from weeks ago, so it's probably higher now, but 70% of the deaths from COVID have happened between November 2021 and February 2022. 70% of the deaths. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, that total acute death number. Yes. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. If you if you I, just take the take a step back and you look at the data, you go clearly the product's not working. However, we have politicians and certain figures that get on TV every single day and just keep saying it is working. And the people who just go with the winds are just doing what they're but told. They're not saying it's working though now. But they are. They're, That's no, why they're still telling people to do it. They're, they're not saying it's working. They're not talking about it. Talk, we're talking about other stuff. No, they're you, not. They're still talking about boosters. Not, not in my arm. Um, well, that's... I mean, look at what happened in Victoria this week. Arm, they're, they're still mandating boosters now for teachers. But they've pulled every other one out. So there's more against it than there is for... Yes, there's a small one, and we know that that's going to get overturned soon. There's only a matter of time, mm. right? So more mandates are getting pulled than are getting enforced. Yeah. So that rate of enforcement is going in the right direction. But we're still going to be manufacturing mRNA vaccines in Australia. Yeah, mental. Which will, it will tie in. Uh, I've got my daily story, my weekly story. Oh, yeah, yeah. It will tie into that. But I do, I want to tell you my thing about Twitter. Right. I don't care what, I, I love it how there's certain media outlets very anti it. Mm-hmm. There's some that are very pro it. Yeah. Okay. I don't care. He's going to do a better job than what anyone thinks. Mm-hmm. I think the people that you're hearing about that work there are absolutely the minority. At Twitter? Yeah. You think? Absolutely. There was a stat- yeah, There's a handful of people talking, like, uh, uh, talking out about the changes from Twitter. And you hear nothing from anyone else, which yeah. is which is a representation of Twitter's entire community. P- potentially, the yep. extreme anti's are the loudest. Yeah, I will say though that I did see a stat the other day that uh, they did a survey on certain companies and where their employees have sent their political donations. Yeah, for the American midterm elections, and yep. for Twitter, ninety-eight percent of them sent donations to the Democrats. Not to the Republicans. Yeah. So, I, but again, uh, I I don't see. I don't think there's going to be mass exodus. I think it's all noise. I don't think these people are actually going to come through with any of the stuff that they're threatening to do. Mm. Um, you know, I think if Elon integrates Lightning payments, uh, uh, um, decentralized token author- authentication, and and removes the bots. Mm-hmm. The product will be infinitely better. Oh, I agree. Therefore, the people will naturally move across it, regardless mm-hmm. of your political standing, purely just because the user interface is going to be better. Mm. The product will be better. Okay. I think that I'd love to. If I had some spare cash now, I'd be buying Tesla stock because Tesla took a hit because he had to sell. Yeah. yeah. $8 billion worth, mm-hmm. which pushed the price down. I think it's $850 or something. Like, I'd love to, to have yeah, bought yeah. some uh, um, Tesla stock. Mm-hmm. I think that Tesla will rally hard. Um, I don't know if we spoke about it here. Did you hear the boss of Fisker, who's an, another electric car company? He's saying that he's jumping off Twitter because he knows that when Elon gets in charge that he's just going to censor it. You just censored yourself, you fucking... <laughs> yeah, I know. You just censored yourself. <laughs> yeah. If, you can't find me, I quit. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. 
um, which is mad because Tesla's uh, open source, yeah. Know, so anyone can access any of that stuff, anyways. Like he's been a very open book. He just wants, you know. Speaking of open source, I can't wait for the algorithm to become open source. Oh, okay. Now that is the key point that I don't think anyone's talking nearly enough about. Yeah, agreed. Now, what does op- what does open source mean? Open source means the code is readily available, so that any what, one of us or a programmer can effectively interpret what the code is. Yeah. I I wanted to post up when I when I heard that the deal was done. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put a quick short up there to say, "Hey, I wonder if at Twitter they're doing a mad dash to change the algorithm before." It gets released. Have you have you seen? There's been stories about them apparently locking yeah. the algorithm so no one can yeah mess with it. Now, Which again, you got to take with a grain of salt as well. Oh yeah, we locked it. Quick, fucking change yeah, yeah, it, change yeah. it. Get the other one out. Um, now, why is this significant? This to me is will be the most. This this will be the 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 silver bullet yeah. in terms of uh, potential social manipulation. Mm-hmm. And, like, because what if the code basically says, if you are this political, leaning this way, Mm -hmm. then do this. Mm -hmm. If you are this, then get rid of. If you are this uh, um, extremist, put in more extremists. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, if the code comes out and says for all of us... Like shows for all of us to see that it's tried to turn us on each other, mm-hmm. and it's tried to um, it uh, indoctrinate mm-hmm. a certain ideology that's built into the code. Yeah, there could be some real problems. Well, sorry, no one's going to pay. No, no one's. There's going to be no repercussions. I should, I should, because there never will be. But it will be very interesting to see what will be said by the people that kind of perpetrated this. But also, I just hope it gets seen as the wake-up call for a lot of people yeah. that they need to have. Because so many people, like all of us these days are attached to our phones. We all are, whether you admit it Tell or not. I've just had 24 hours without it and it was hell. Yeah, except for my wife. My wife's the only person who's not programmed by phones at all because I don't even bother calling her. I put you down as my emergency contact on everything because <laughs> at least I'll know that you'll answer the phone. Yeah. Um, but... Everyone's attached to their phones. So there's an old saying in leadership when you do any sort of leadership course, which is, I cannot not influence you. Yeah. And what that means is that whether I'm telling you to do something or telling you not to do something, something, I'm still influencing you in some way, shape, or form. So if you think that you going online and seeing what your newsfeed has cultivated for you is not influencing you, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. And this, if they make that algorithm public knowledge... And it looks, I think it'll be as simple as that. It'll be like, uh, if X, then... Show trans. <laughs> no, if X, then get vaccinated. If Y, then get vaccinated. Yeah. And, and that, that will come um, out. Uh, um, um, this code is proudly sponsored by Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll literally be written in the code. Yeah. And, um, and I, that'll be fascinating to see. That's the, thing, that's the part that I'm most excited about but i i genuinely think you know adam curry talks about all the time on no agenda that they use a decentralized social media thing which has no algos and it's just time-based so whatever you put on the top is the top like myspace days yeah remember how fun that used to be it was the best yeah when you and tom was everyone's friend tom was everyone's friend sucks isn't friends with anybody so that i think i'm excited yeah look uh 
a small, maybe medium-sized part of me is excited by the pure chaos. I find mm-hmm. the chaos hilarious. And the games that are happening... So you, I mm. post it up on my on my socials. Um, Saudi Arabia has just bought 100,000... Um, what's the brand? Lucid. Mm. Lucid is a Tesla competitor. It's an electric car. There's a Tesla competitor. Yeah. Saudi, the Saudi royal family owned a large stock in Twitter. Mm-hmm. He called out and said, I don't like the Elon deal because I think the future value of Twitter is going to be way more. Yeah. Elon's gone, well, that's because you aren't pro uh, free, free speech. speech. Yeah. And then he's clapped back by going, oh, we'll, we'll just buy 100,000 of your competitors and make them stronger. Yeah. Bring it on. Like, that's that's right. That's hilarious. I do think the funniest one, though, that, that and, and this is where people, again, I'm not buying into it. I didn't comment on any of it. I find it the funniest, though, is people said, like, how many people could Elon have helped <laughs> with that 80, yeah, no. you know, $40 billion? Like, yeah. how many homeless people could he fed? Yeah. And then when you just rattled off the figures that, like your, gov- sent to your the government just effort? did it like that. That's right. To, to buy missiles for like, another, like, like, for another j- Let's consider that. We think it's fucking bonkers that this billionaire, oh, billionaire white guy can spend $44 billion on owning social discourse. Money. Yeah, of his own coin, yeah. which like you said, he's paying part of it on tick anyway. <laughs> so he's going to pay interest. His interest bill is going to be a billion dollars a year. Yeah. And yet the American government wants to spend... $38 billion now mm. on weapons to send to Ukraine. <laughs> Which one's worse for discourse? <laughs> it also... Uh, you don't think that building an electric car company is helping the world? That's that's you also the funny thing. You don't think building yeah. a solar city is helping the world? You don't think that electric storage is helping the you don't think that making rockets recyclable and creating mankind to be interplanetary you don't think that's you realize you realize that elon musk has by doing this single-handedly created endless amounts of perpetual energy you remember those old memes about if you want to create a perpetual energy machine you drop you get a cat and you stick buttered toast to its back with the buttered side facing out and you drop it because yeah. cats always land on their feet but the, to- the buttered toast always lands yeah. butter side down and just constantly yeah. spins perpetual energy perpetual energy we, they, he's just created this as well because the same people who are absolutely against him and hate him for buying Twitter drive Teslas yeah. so they're just going around in circles as well and um, we should also touch on the the deal did you hear that um, Bill Gates texted Elon about doing some philanthropy work yeah and so, so the text got leaked, and apparently Elon had sent screenshots to one of his friends, and his friend leaked it. Yeah. He probably said, "Yeah, leak it." Yeah. And Bill Gates basically said, "Hey, you're rich. I'm rich. We could get together and do some philanthropy work." He asked him for a donation. Yeah. Yeah. And Elon's like, "Have you still got a short position yeah. in Tesla?" So Bill Gates has a five hundred million dollars short on Tesla. Now, what does that mean? So this is. Alex's finance corner. Mm-hmm. A short is when you post up $500 million and you set the price that you want a share to drop to before you are enacted. So you'll do whatever you can, especially at a, at a half billion dollar mm-hmm. short position. You are banking on the stock price tanking to yeah. a certain point, which you, want you don't company, want it to work. You want the company to fail. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So Bill Gates, who uh, is... The, the world's sweetheart, mm-hmm. you know, 
He's he's the king of philanthropy. He's just out there just giving and doing kind things to everyone. Yeah, twenty x return on his vaccine program. Um, but also but has that a, just allows him to do more philanthropy, more shorts, <laughs> <laughs> more shorts on people to short more <laughs> renewable energy companies. Um, I vaccinate um the world, <laughs> and so I've got more money to put against other billionaires. So I could be the top dog again. So here's the conspiracy for you. That was a pretty good Bill Gates. That was pretty good. Because he just sounds like Kermit the Frog, basically. Whenever I hear Bill Gates, I just think of Kermit. Do you well, think, he's dead now. Do you, do you think <laughs> Bill Gates <laughs> is trying to vaccinate the world with faulty vaccines to take people out so Tesla has less customers, therefore there's less buyers, the stock price drops, and he gets to collect on his short. No, there'll be other shorts there that I think will be. <laughs> yeah, he's been shorting on human life. Yeah, so Elon Musk is has has called... Now, there's heaps of people that are just anti-billionaire, and, I, and I've noticed these some friends of mine yeah. are like... And it, that's tall poppy, for sure. Yeah, like, but they've also been told to be anti-billionaire as well, until it's the billionaire that they that supports what they like. So the, the same thing happened with, well, not the same thing, but the opposite happened with left-wing media when Jeff Bezos bought um, the Washington Post. Yeah. They like, were talking about it like it's a great thing. It's like, no, no, no. He just uses the Washington Post to attack his enemies now. There's always articles in the Washington Post shitting on Elon Musk. Yeah. And but, no memes, though. And yeah, that's why that sucks. That's right. But also, that was like the biggest power play when it came to controlling any sort of discourse at the time. Yeah. Now Elon's gone and one-up that because he's done it in the digital space. Bezos doesn't like it. So did you see that Bezos tried to say, oh, that just gives China a bigger foothold into America now? <laughs> Says the guy that moves more Chinese products than anyone <laughs> yeah. in the world. No one's made that link. I was yeah. so surprised. How has no one said, wait a minute, you're, you made Amazon... All you did was create the boxes from from China to yep. America and got them there in a day. Can I also say too, most most people don't know this about Amazon, but Amazon got popped for this, and I don't think that they do it anymore, but they did for a considerable length of time. Everything's built around algorithms in this world, as we all know. Amazon had an algorithm built into their website which showed the top trending products in every single like um, product category. Mm. And because if you go on Amazon, it's got the dimensions for everything as well. So they literally then started producing Amazon's own version of the, the top ranking products using the dimensions on the website because you have to put them up there when you're the manufacturer yeah. to create their own products. And then the algorithm prioritized the Amazon product above the original. For sure. I mean, you, you can see that happening in slow time at supermarkets. Yeah. Meanwhile, their employees are shitting in plastic bags because they don't have enough time to go to the toilet. Otherwise, they're going to get fired by text message. get fired by a bot. Yeah. yeah. And if they say the word union in their <laughs> intranet chat, like Amazon is the most disgusting... It's modern-day um, slavery. It's modern-day slavery. It is the most disgusting display of abuse of human rights in Western countries mm. at the moment. And yet... Elon Musk, the guy who has single-handedly done the most to move us towards the electric car world, mm. which is what... Making all, human species interplanetary? Yeah, well, the, the go back to the car thing. That's what all of the climate change people have wanted forever, forgetting the whole, how do you produce enough electricity? Yeah, sorry, kids in the Congo. Yeah. Uh, well, I reckon we'll just get that just by taxing billionaires. Just ask yeah. Adam Bant, that's how we'll do it. We'll yeah. just tax the billionaires, and then everyone yeah. can... Run electric cars from nothing. So that is probably a good segue. We can move on on from that. We've had a bit of a rant yeah. to uh, Alex's the, the new segment. Well, sorry. Let, let's just say 
Uh, all in all, I think we agree. Elon buying Twitter, good thing mm. overall. Yeah. Uh, it gets two. Th- it gets four thumbs up from the audio podcast. Yeah. All right, let's move on. So I found it interesting. It was actually a video that I'd watched on Veritasium, and I'll send you the... I like Veritasium. The, the, the link. Who do you think is the most dangerous person to have ever lived? Uh, probably Genghis Khan. And why would you say that? Because he killed the most, the highest percentage of people at any given time. Well, apparently, this guy did. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> who I'd never heard of before... His name is Thomas Midgley Jr. Right. Guess what Tomo invented? Leaded fuel. (laughs) Right. So in the 1920s, uh, uh, car manufacturers had problems with knocking, where where there was uh, fuel combusted at a, like, um, uh, random times. Right. So they needed something to equalise, and they needed something that was going to be cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. Thomas Midgley Jr. came up, he was tasked with the job, mm-hmm. and he came up with um, uh, adding lead. He tried all these different ones, but lead was the one um, that seemed to be the, the best, the and it was effective. very good, very good at it. Right. And um, has been attributed to 100 million deaths. 100 um, billion? No, 100 million. I was going to say, 100 billion? Like, no, no, 100 million deaths. Isn't there only like 8 billion of us now? Now, um, so 100 million deaths? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they think can be attributed to leaded fuel. Now, leaded fuel originally came from bats, right? No, okay. no, no, but it was a wet market. Now, uh, the new scientist called him a one-man environmental disaster <laughs> because guess what he invented after? Okay, uh, asbestos? No. So after... You, you can't, you're on the same sort of track, I suppose. Like, it, it, it is an invention that was then used. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. You can't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Is it, some, is it something flammable? Like flammable building materials? No, it's designed to be anti-flammable. Uh, uh, anti, it's not flammable. It's non-flammable. Non-flammable, but you're not allowed to use it anymore. Yeah. Can you... I'll give you a clue. Yeah. It was big. We talked, like, in that 80s and very early 90s in Australia. Yeah. We were big on eradicating this, and it would have been in every... Is it insulation or something? No, 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 no. CFCs. Freon. So the gas Freon, which is in the back of uh, refrigerant, but also was in all the shake-up cans. Yeah. Remember? Because it put a hole in the ozone layer. He put the hole in the ozone layer. (laughs) He invented... Thomas Midgley Jr. invented the hole in the ozone layer. Now, what's crazy about it, everyone knew lead was dangerous. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 it's not. Check this out. And he sucked it down in front of a big crowd of people for 60 seconds. Right. Now, he ends up dying of lead poisoning. <laughs> not, not then, but, but later. But right. he actually had to take time away to try and um, recuperate mm. from, uh, from that poisoning that he had. Right. Now, is that kind? Of, that to me is the equivalent of when uh, was it Elon Musk was demonstrating was it bulletproof windows yeah. on, on the Teslas and it smashed yeah, the light pressure. Yeah, the that was that's, that was funny. But good on him. Um, now he he there was a little bit. Reason why I bring it up is there was a little bit of correlation between like what had happened at the time. I mean, leaded fuel was invented in like the twenties, came out really working in the thirties, mm-hmm. and weren't uh, outlawed until like 
the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. It was lead particulates in babies mm. was attributed to crime and violence in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Because the high give levels... you, like, neural defects and stuff. Yeah, right? so what yeah. lead does, it, it, it changes some of your synapses in your brain. You get tingling fingers, yeah. but you're made dumber. So yeah. the IQ, I, I think, I can't remember, I should have written the number down. There was a number he had attributed to something like... 18 million IQ point loss for mankind. Wow. Just through yeah. leaded fuel. And it made me wonder, like, are there other times in human history that we've introduced something to a populace that has had detrimental effects oh, that, we, I mean, that we won't see, that we won't see for years to come? Well, even just to give you another example is thalidomide, which is the whole reason why I've been wary of the whole vaccine yeah. thing since it rolled out. So thalidomide was originally, like, everyone was told it was safe for pregnant mothers to take. Yeah. And you should, you, if you've not heard of it before, look it up and look up the things that it did to children. Oh, and look, and it's like, this is pretty, uh, uh, it's a big deal for me because I just had a baby who I've been so fortunate that he, like we just had his eight week checkup at the hospital because the CMV diagnosis, which could have caused defects. So we, we were on the borderline. We just got lucky that he was fine, mm. uh, but it was a very close run thing. But we were so hyper conscious while Amanda was pregnant and she, she was the most disciplined person, mm. both pregnancies, she ate the right things, didn't drink any alcohol. Like, like she was even mindful of, she would only have like one coffee a week. Yeah. She wouldn't drink any soft drinks. Like literally did everything right. So I feel really terrible for, if you go back to old mates, leaded fuel times, there's probably plenty of mothers who are trying to do the same things, protect their kids who are filling up their cars with leaded fuel and it fucked them up. Um, Barstool did an ad for CMV. And one of the really? things I quoted is only 9% of people even know it exists. Yeah, it's bonkers because I think it's like 50% of the population has had it. Yeah, wow. Uh, only one, so it doesn't affect adults. It only affects children, mm. especially like babies in utero. Only one in 10 babies who have what they call congenital CMV, which is when you get it whilst, the mother, whilst you're inside mum's tummy... Only one in ten of them actually show negative effects, but yep. it, it can cause birth defects. So the way that it works is that it stops cells from replicating. So if you haven't developed your brain properly or your mm. organs properly, like a lot of them are born with shrunken heads or yep. blindness or deafness, but it's so fucking common, but no one talks about it. Yeah, it's wild. So I've even thought about before, like, I, I want to raise the profile of CMV. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? we should do that Because sure. it's one of the simplest things that, like, we were just never told... The majority of people get it from toddlers by touching saliva or urine from toddlers mm. because generally uh, toddlers get it because they've got everything in their mouth and they're spending time with other kids and stuff like that. So if we had just been told, hey, be mindful of this, maybe Amanda could chuck some plastic gloves on when she changed Nate's nappy. Like, yeah. we, we don't Do know, something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah, you've got to raise a profile. But it's... It is so interesting that you bring this up because you're exactly right. And the thing that we've been saying since the beginning of the vaccine rollout is no one can pretend to know what effects may happen in the future from these vaccines. We don't have a fucking clue. Anyone who tells you that they're safe, they're lying because there's no way they could know. Yeah. Unless they've built a fucking time machine and have come back from the future and everything's golden, yeah. we just won't know. And yeah, let it, let it petrol, like you were saying. Well, when did they... 
Like 30s. It's it kicked, like, kicked off in the 30s, and it wasn't... In Australia, it wasn't outlawed until, I think, 88. Yeah, and the cynic in me says possibly the reason why it wasn't outlawed is because of cost, maybe? Maybe it was... Oh, more. it was dirt cheap. It was dirt cheap to do. And yeah. cars, I remember the changeover, because if you looked at new cars back then, you could buy... Like a VK Commodore, you could get... There was an unleaded version mm. compared to a leaded version. The leaded version made fifteen horsepower more yeah, yeah. than what the unleaded one did. Yeah, and you used to have to go and get additive, like you used to have to add lead. Yeah. To your car, like mm. you put unleaded fuel in and then lead it. And think about that too. We buy fuel that's labelled unleaded fuel. That's right. Like, shouldn't we be it should just be called out? petrol? But, yeah, <laughs> it should just be called petrol. Hundred yeah. percent. But uh, but that was why. This, mm. Thomas Migley, yeah, yeah. dog, killed it's 100 million people 100 and put a hole in the ozone layer. <laughs> he pierced the earth. <laughs> Which, uh, no one tells you good news that that's closed now. Did you know that the hole in the ozone layer above Australia is closed? It's, it's not fully closed, but it's way better. Yeah. It's way better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think, I think that's enough, I think. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank I'll you very much it. for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share with anyone that you think would enjoy the content. And we'll see you next RDO. Bye. <laughs>